welcome to the Serial Serial, the podcast about a podcast. And then there's some other stuff that Mara says, but she's in Mexico, so I don't have her paper. Uh, but uh, so I'm Josh Modell. I'm here with uh, Gus Bellman and Laura Browning uh, to catch up not on Bo Bergdahl, but on Adnan Syed from season one of Serial. Nobody cares about Bo anyway. I guess we're Poor learning Bo. that. I, mean, I care about Bo. I'm interested in the Bo story. But anyway, we, let's do, we're here to talk about Adnan, which is what the rest of the world wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that we're catching up, obviously, is we, there's uh, Adnan uh, is having a hearing in, in front of a judge, presenting new evidence uh, in order to try and uh, have this judge decide that he needs a new trial. Or doesn't. Well, weather, I guess, uh, implies yeah. that, right? That's English. That's English. Um, so I don't know where, where specifically we want to talk about it. I know Laura and I were talking earlier about the sort of framing of these episodes, but maybe we should talk a little bit about the substance first. Like, what's what's happening as you understand it? Um, as I understand it, um, Adnan is doing a sort of last-ditch hearing to determine if, uh, if his original defense attorney, Christina Gutierrez, if... Um, if she had pursued certain alibis and um, certain people, if that would have actually changed the outcome of the trial, Mm -hmm. which to me seems like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems that the the burden is, I mean, obviously really on Adnan and his legal team, um, but they have a lot to prove. Um, And they got Asia McLean on the stand and uh the thing that i don't know it's it's pretty interesting hearing sarah koenig talk about it because uh the way she talks about it so much of it relies on oh well she seems this way and she you know looked really put together and uh you know she seems so credible Mm. which doesn't to me really speak to any of the legal proceedings. Yeah, I had a lot of, and maybe we need to dive right into this. Like, I, I had a lot of problems with kind of the delivery of these episodes, like from the fact that, like, what you were talking about earlier, Sarah and um, Dana, Dana, just sort of casually chatting. Oh, like, oh, you're in a closet. Oh, funny. Oh, this is so cool. Like, honestly, it sounded like it sounded to me like what people think this podcast sounds like, which is just like kind of kind of dummies just off the cuff talking, which we are certainly sometimes. But I think the season one of Serial, like it was so much more research and sort of put together and to have them just be like, there were a couple of points I feel like, especially in the first episode where Sarah was like, well, I'm not actually kind of sure what was going on. And I'm like, well, I want to know. I want you to report it to me. (laughs) And that surprises me a lot because Sarah Koenig was a reporter for the Baltimore Sun um, 10, 15 years ago. And clearly very smart, but she's sort of, I think she's like caught up in in the excitement of this. And sure. she was sort of giddy that they had mentioned cereal sure. on the stand, which is a little weird. But. She does seem like very giddy the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's weird because the, but the podcast that Ravi Shattery does is also like, they're also like very giddy, not very mm-hmm. professional. Undisclosed. Maybe this is just a fun to case it. to be close to. I guess. But at, at <laughs> not least, for Hatnon. Uh, yeah, right. Hey, maybe um, he's like that too. Yeah, he's like, hey, what's going on in my case this week? <laughs> Let's hear about it. Um, but Rabia, uh, I mean, her podcast, at least, um, the one that I listened to, like kind of went, Explain, goes much more in depth. Yeah, explains what's like, going here's on. what's happening here. It, much more. It almost seemed to me like Sarah was so caught up watching the trial that she wasn't taking notes totally, um, yeah. and really sort of figuring out what was going on, which le- led me to go, just go read some stuff in, I forget what papers are covering. I think the guardian has somebody there covering it or at hmm. least, 
uh, are writing about it. So the two big things were um, Asia McLean, uh, was she a credible alibi at this point? And then the uh, cell phone record. So um, do one of you want to speak to uh, Asia McLean and just sort of the story behind that and what you took away from it? Sure. I... Um it kind of brought me back to some of the early episodes of season one of Serial when Sarah Koenig goes to great length to establish um, how difficult and how tricky memory can be, mm. um, where, you know, she asked, I can't even remember at this point, maybe nieces or nephews or something, teenagers, and said, you know, like, what did you do today? Mm. And it's really hard to remember. Um, and so I wonder, if, you know, Asia is so sure about some of this. And I wonder if it's, you know, this kind of thing where she remembers, um, you know, she obviously went to Adnan's parents' house and wrote this letter. And so maybe she's just sort of remembering, um, like, she was so sure at the time. And then her memory just is like, no, I definitely remember it this way. Um, it's almost suspicious to me. And I, I feel like if if she were playing to a jury, there are jurors who would be like, oh, she's sure. So I believe her. She's sure. And I think judges, then this is obviously only going to be decided by a single judge. Like he's, I think he, he or she, I think it's a, I don't know if it's a man or a woman judge. Um, I think she says it's a he. Okay. Um, like I, I would think that a judge with any amount of experience would probably less swayed by somebody who's that sure of something that happened 15 years but ago. But it also raises the question though, because if Christina Gutierrez had pursued uh, that alibi 16 years ago mm. when people's memories were a little fresher then maybe it would have changed an outcome and how how do you account for those you know 16 years of you know yep. life mm-hmm. <laughs> in between you know these events and how um how how do you account for that as a judge i mean if this person maybe they were credible 16 years ago yeah. it's it's interesting cuz the on the on undisclosed they talk about like the grounds for this like the previous ruling which is also a Baltimore uh, it's a ruling from the same court that's hearing Adnan's case and they talk the case that the precedent was built on is somebody whose lawyer didn't go after a um, didn't talk to an alibi witness uh, and the lawyer's reasoning was well somebody else the prosecution said that well they must not have talked to this alibi witness because the person, the witness, was also uh, somebody who was picked out of a lineup as a suspect for the same crime. And that seems like a pretty reasonable, to me, reason not to talk to somebody. But even in that case, they said, like, yeah, the the defense lawyer didn't do their job right and this person deserves a new trial. When they also said that Justin Brown, Adnan's current attorney, went through and tried to find all of the 80-some people that uh, Gutierrez had originally submitted as possible alibis um, in you know, the original court case in 1999, and they were able to track down, I think, 41 people, and of those 41, four said that they had spoken to Gutierrez mm-hmm. or her office, which is, you know... Not enough. 10%? Yeah. That's um, part of me wonders, and I don't know if they're putting this forward, though, is this whole letter business mm-hmm. right. from Asia. I wonder, and obviously we'll never know this, but like maybe Christina Gutierrez did not put Asia on the stand because that letter is a little suspicious. And obviously she sort of explained it away here. But writing a very specific letter saying, hey, if you need help accounting for your time from 2 to 8 p.m., like that whether this is what happened or not, the most sort of obvious explanation is that he Adnan somehow coached her 
right. to say that to to make himself look uh, less guilty. And there's um, also the cops' notes from the interview with mm-hmm. Juwan, who like says, tells them that Adnan sent somebody a letter to type up for him. Yeah, so maybe Gutierrez thought like, oh, this is actually calling her might actually hurt more than it helps. Therefore, I'm not going to call her. That's a, an entirely but not plausible to thing to me. Talk to her at all? Yeah, that seems sloppy. Yeah, it certainly seems sloppy. I, I think though, I mean, from my understanding anyway, it's it's really really difficult to even get this hearing that he's getting. Sure. And a hundred times more unlikely that a judge is actually going to give you a new trial. Right. So to me, it, it, this stuff has to be, at least from my limited experience reading about it, like it has to be kind of a slam dunk. Like your lawyer really, really, really fucked up. Not just your lawyer wasn't perfect, right. but like your lawyer actively caused you uh, some trouble here. So, but maybe, and maybe we should move on to this, the um, the cell phone stuff to me is a little more compelling. Like if if, if these incoming call times uh, influence the jury heavily about thinking, oh yeah, he had to have been at right. Lincoln Park where she was found, and all of a sudden, uh, well, those aren't those aren't liable. What do you guys think about that? The cell phone records. Yeah, I mean that definitely. That I again, I don't know, and it's weird that neither undisclosed nor serial has like gone out of their way to be like, here's the likelihood, and like here's here's other cases that are similar that have mm. uh, hearings that have gotten new trials are not based on similar evidence. So I don't know, but to me that almost feels let not a, not in terms of like what I know about the law, but what I know as a person seems less compelling because um, j- this only said th- th- if these cell phone records are not legitimate, if uh, which seems like clearly they're not, just because he wasn't definitely in Leakin Park at the time that this, um, at, the, at the time of the incoming call, doesn't mean he wasn't either. Like they don't have any evidence to say like, and he definitely wasn't in Leakin Park at this time. It just says like he may or may not have been. And you would think, but he doesn't have to prove that he didn't do it. I mean, if the if the cell phone, I guess you have to put yourself in the mind of the jury. If that's if the cell phone evidence saying that he was there was a major factor in you deciding that he was guilty of the murder. Um, but then you have to. But that that. It's exactly that, like putting yourself in the mind of a jury thing that seems harder to prove because mm-hmm. a judge could easily just say like, okay, I put myself in the mind and there was other evidence in the case that I think would have compelled me to find him guilty anyway. I think that's what the judge is going to do. I think that's what judges do in most of these cases. Mm-hmm. They, I think they really do not like to say that the, that, that the, the, jury, the, the system doesn't work, uh, which clearly we know it doesn't work all that well a and lot of the time. It was interesting, too. You know, I thought that the the new information about the cell phone would be like, oh, well, here's, you know, here's science and math and evidence. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Koenig was like, well. Cover page. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, they it's, also didn't finish. She only does three days of it. Right. That's true. But it sounded like from what she had heard thus far, you know, there was one expert saying this and one expert mm-hmm. saying this. And there's not even a consensus on, you know, what the facts are. Um and to me, it just feels like this, eh, well. Yeah. Well, it does seem like there's a consensus on what the, that the science wasn't at the place where, the, the science didn't work the way that they were saying it did at the trial. Like, there's a consensus on that. 
but there's just no con- there's no con- there's no science to say we can disprove the claims right. they were making at the trial. Um, so it's in the judge's hands now, and they uh, apparently he is going to issue a written decision at some point, and no one knows when. No one's not apparently lawyer. Neither uh, side's lawyers is speculating on when he might. Wow. I've heard he could be as soon as two days, could be as long as two weeks, um, and that apparently it's a little unusual for him to uh, do it in writing. Why? Versus <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was some sort of announcement. That, <laughs> that oh, like he's gonna he's gonna write it out. Um, to me, and I, this is obviously me just totally speculating, and uh, but I, to me, the fact that it's going to be in writing points to the uh, idea that there will not be a new trial. Um, it's not even worth really? getting out of bed for. Yeah, because I feel like if it's a new trial, then I mean, obviously, this is just me being dumb. So hey, take that for what it's worth. But if it's a new trial, there's not all that much to say. There's hey, you've convinced me that something is wrong here. Let's hear it mm-hmm. all again. If you're going to say no, then it's, to me, much clearer to come out point by point and say, yeah, totally. I heard this and it didn't sway me because of this. Uh, it didn't sense. sway me enough. Yeah. So. It's very frustrating listening to all of this because, especially at this point in the appeals process, it's, you know, you, you're so um, beholden to all of these various legal procedures mm-hmm. that it's like, it's not even about the truth anymore. Like, yeah. To get to a reinvestigation of what the truth might be. It's just up to some judge who, I don't know, I find that very frustrating. I I mean, I found that frustrating about making a murderer as well, but Mm -hmm. just like, well, they've decided who the the killer is, so they're just going to go to every length that they can to try to defend that. Yeah. Well, I think they're trying to defend the system. They're trying to defend a jury of your peers uh, has made their decision and you need to really convince somebody that that jury heard the wrong thing or didn't hear enough things in the case of new evidence, which they're not. None of this is new evidence. It's, well, I guess maybe the cover sheet is new evidence, but um, there's Asian McLean new evidence. I guess she's new evidence too. Um, that the new evidence is compelling enough that this jury might have uh, found him not guilty. But then even if they have, you know, a new trial, looking at 16-year-old... You know, witnesses, evidence, alibis. I don't know. What are the odds? I don't know. I mean, there's uh, the odds that they'll actually ha- pursue a new trial. Because if, if the judge says uh, that the state has to give him a new trial, then the state has to then decide whether they want to try him again. Because oh, they can decide not to try him. They can just say, all right, well, we're not going to be able to prove it again. We still believe he's guilty, but we're not going to be able to prove it, so we're not going to pursue it. Right. That's the thing is that it seems like whether or not there was reasonable doubt was already kind of like sketchy mm-hmm. the first time they made this trial. This time, I think that what you're talking about, like witnesses not being able to remember things, seems like there'd be even more room for reasonable doubt right. if they retried him. Mm. I wonder if the judge takes that into account too, like how mm. difficult that would be. But I guess we'll find out at some point. It might be today. It might be Monday. It might be next week. Do you get, what do you guys, what's your guys, I, it's obviously weird because it's so second- <clears throat> at least the testimony here is like so secondhand. What do you guys think about um, Asia? Do you think, obviously we've talked about like it seems suspicious. If you had to go one way or the other, do you think she's 
I'm that inclined to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, they made Sarah Koenig make kind of a point um, when they were talking. She was talking about the the guy who's been an attorney since the 70s, and they were talking to him about all of this. Yeah, um, you know, he made the point that, or they made the point that um, Asia knew both Hay and Adnan, but wasn't really good friends with either of them. And she was going to all of these lengths to be like, no, yeah, you should go find her. There are other security cameras. Like, no, these other two witnesses can back me up. Yeah. Um, and I'm inclined that to think that she, you know, didn't really have an opinion one way or the other. She just was like, no, I, I have this information. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's naive of me, but. No, I don't, I, that guy was really compelling, I thought, who, who said, who, uh, said everything you just said um i think that was the most compelling part of these whole three mini episodes but i think it's more likely that she's um trying to just sort of speak her piece than it is that there's some like massive calculation going on behind the scenes yeah 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 to me and also if she i can see a 16 year old or 17 year old however old she was saying yeah i'm like yeah sure i'll lie to help get this kid i know out of out of jail like really not really thinking through the consequences of that but i think that to then be a 32 year old and be Mm -hmm. like i should continue making telling this lie when it could get me into trouble i mean obviously it doesn't seem like there's that much trouble she could get into but it's still i think by the time you're in your 30s you're gonna you're gonna decide like this is not worth getting involved in like i can just I would have been terrified to tell a lie to the police when I was 16. Hmm. But if you, you must have been done- a really boring teenager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But if you had done it, don't you think that if they then asked you about it again, you'd be like, I'm, I'm not going to Yeah, this. you could just be like, I don't really remember now. Right. Yeah. That's true. Um, it's funny, though, because um, I think on the first episode, Sarah was like, oh, she was so striking right, and so put together. Right. And she had this red lipstick and heels. And she was like really impressed by her. And then Asia McLean was on Good Morning America. Um, just for a little five-minute segment uh, on the second day of this or whatever, and I did not get that impression. I thought she struck me as a little as a little weird, hmm. uh, and not entirely. I didn't watch that. That's uh, I mean, and that's just me like acting like a dumb juror. But it was just like my gut reaction was not like, oh, this person seems like a hundred percent believable and truthful. She just seemed like a little. Well, that's what irritated me when we were talking about sort of the framing device and the narrative device for these little mini episodes was that it was so much based on like, oh, Sarah Koenig feels this. Mm-hmm. And and you do you get that a little bit throughout, you know, season one of Serial, but it's also backed up by a lot more. Yeah. And this time I was like, well, where are your reporting instincts? Well, her biases come through. I mean, they came mm-hmm. through in the in the original season. But in this thing, it's like she's all she's bad. like on there on Adnan's side of the courtroom cheering every time something good happens, right. I think. Which is it's, fine. She, she believes he's innocent. I mean, so does, does she? Has she said that? I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like maybe I that's mean, just she, where she wants the narrative to go. I don't she know. She plays the like when they talk about the notes from Juwan's interview. Like she plays the like, oh, I don't know. I'm rethinking everything. Mm-hmm. But I think you can tell she's just playing. She's just like playing devil's advocate to the Danic, and then be like, oh no, it does make sense. I still believe Asia. And she can be like, oh yeah, okay, I, I believe it too. Yeah. Adnan's innocent. I mean, it's interesting in that. She has to sort of her biases come through in the same way a juror's biases might mm. come through, but um, yeah, it just didn't seem as uh, as put together. And obviously, it wasn't. She was sitting in a closet, just like, "Hey, here's what happened today," and I forgot to tell you this. And then Dana's like, "Wait, what about this?" Like, that expand felt- on that a little bit. And she's like, "Oh, well." Uh, that felt so. Um, 
staged to me. Oh, he thought that of moment. Yeah, I yeah. Think so. I thought they were just because she because then they said like, oh yeah, and I called you guys to look it up. So clearly Dana already mm. knew what she had been talking about. It's just, just like, like the cereal, cereal, cereal. Like how staged <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that shit? Um, yeah, I will say it's more. It's certainly more fun to listen to her being like this than to listen to her being so removed in the Bo Bergdahl case, mm. like everything coming to her secondhand. You can just tell she's not, re- or she doesn't seem as engaged in it. And I feel like that's less engaging for me to yeah. listen to. I mean, the big difference between the two seasons is like season one, it's very binary. Like, did he do it or did he not do right. it? And the Bo Bergdahl's more of a, you know, a story. She's not really cheering for anybody, I don't think. Um, Whereas I still get the sense, just like Robbie Chaudhry, uh, they both believe that he's innocent or that, you know, in the case of Sarah, at least that he didn't, he wasn't proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I think, I think that in this season, you can tell she thinks Bowden really doesn't deserve, mm. certainly doesn't deserve to be punished anymore. And like maybe did a reasonable thing back in the day. Like, I think you can see her bias coming through in that sense. I just think it, she doesn't care as much. I guess know. we'll find out next week when yeah, we're maybe. back to regular cereal. Yeah. Unless we do another cereal cereal when the <laughs> uh, when the judge makes his decision. What if it happened while we were in here recording? I was thinking about that. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess that's it for now. Uh, Gus, Laura, Josh, we're cereal cereal. Mara will probably be back <laughs> next week. Uh, if there's a next week, no one can guarantee you anything beyond today the end it's a good ending thanks man yep, yep.